Welcome to We Hear Her. I am Erin Trenbeth Murray. And I am Jennifer Bean. We're here today with another amazing woman who's sharing her story and insights to lessons learned. Hi, I'm Erin Trenbeth Murray, and I am happy to have you here for the We Hear Her podcast for women who succeed. Today, we get to talk to Missy Larson, who is with doTERRA. I'm gonna go into her bio in just a sec. Most importantly, proud mom of four, and we we're just making connections of our alma mater at the University of Utah and where a couple of her, one of her children has gone, one is there. And so I'm looking forward to talking to, with her about her philanthropy work, her communications work, and all the things that she has done in the community um, with anti-human trafficking and with refugee services, all kinds of stuff. So with that, let me just share a little bit about um, Missy and her background. So she is Vice President of Philanthropy and Community Impact at doTERRA International. She guides one of the world's most active corporate philanthropy operations with a mission to empower people and communities worldwide. She has done three decades. Missy has been become recognized as a collaborative leader known for her results-focused work. Her passion is connecting resources for community building initiatives. Missy is the founder of Intrepid Communications, the co-founder of the Utah Refugee Connection, which was previously Coalition, which some of you may know. She was the founding chair of Safe UT and serves on numerous boards as a volunteer. Prior to her work at doTERRA, she served as chief of staff to, to the Utah Attorney General, Sean Reyes, where she led many initiatives, trainings, and task forces with a wide range of issues, including anti-human trafficking, anti-crime, safe schools, and diversity. Missy and her husband, Sam, are the proud parents of four. And in that incredibly busy, busy life, she was able to find time to be with us today. So. Thank you, Missy. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate your time. What an awesome I mean, you got a little today. going on here. Just a little. Just a little bit. In between, <laughs> but napping, you yeah. know, I hear um, naps are at 10 and at 1. Yeah, yeah, I wish. <laughs> In the morning. Right, right. <laughs> well, I first uh, really got to hear you speak at the Executive um, Education um, Women's Leadership Certificate up at the University of Utah in the yeah, David Eccles School of awesome. Business. And you finished. And I was like, I have got to talk to that woman. Like she is speaking my language. And there was so much um, that resonated with me um, through your conversation with the group. Mm. Now you've done all types of work, yep. communications all work, place. all over the place. Do you have one that really is like, oh, that was my favorite. That was a gem. You know, I would have to say my current job. Mm. I love my current job because what it's done is it's taken all of my life experience and everything that I've worked very hard and long hours and everything else to really understand government, understand communications, understand education, understand nonprofit, all of those to really come into one job. And it really is this perfect place that's this place where I get to do all of it. And I all love together. It. All of it. It's really all into fun. one. And you know, yeah. Every time that I have ran into you and I've asked how you're doing and how's work going, you've just boomed out with great um, authenticity that you love your work. And, and I thought that would be a really cool job, right? You're, you're working for a company you believe in and you're able to give philanthropically 
So maybe share with us a little bit more about yeah, your I journey just, and what you do there. You know, it's it's been interesting because it has been an interesting journey to get where I am. And it's so many times throughout my life, and I think probably you've been in the same place, where you get to a place and you have to make a leap of faith. It, it, mm -hmm. And it's like jumping off a cliff, right? And you're like, okay, I'm going to hold my breath and I'm going to make the jump. And you land and you swim really, really hard and you get to the other side and you go, okay, that was the right move. That was it. Right? <laughs> that yeah. was it. Although to not, you wouldn't have known it with anything on paper or anything else. You have to know it from here. You have to know it from your heart. And so there's been so many times throughout my life where I've taken, a, taken on something that feels too big or, or feels like, ooh, that is like in a place that is out of my comfort zone or whatever that is. And all of those have really come together in this job. And, I, and it's interesting because this particular job, I have the corporate side, I have the government side, mm -hmm. I work with government quite often. I'm able to continue to fight human trafficking, an issue I feel very strongly about. I'm able to still work with um, you know, developing nations and refugees and mm. all of these global and local and community issues that I'm able to see from every perspective because doTERRA it's so cool that it, it, it really, from the very beginning, realized that to do it right, they had to do it sustainably. Right. And they wanted to, and they wanted to give back. And so you had seven owners that really came together and said, we're going to do this right, and mm. we're going to move forward right. And it, 13 years later, and it's a massively successful company with over 4,500 employees. Mm. But what's more incredible is that we give jobs around the world to over 463,000 people mm. who are farming, who are um, distilling, who are, you know, around wow. these oils. Wow. And so wow. when you're, when you're have such a pure, amazing product that people want and you source in an ethical, sustainable way, it all comes together in this really incredible place where you care about the people that are sourcing the oils mm -hmm. and you care about how they're sourced. And so what I get to do is I get to work with our sourcing team to make sure that the projects within those sourcing regions are meeting the needs of the communities. I get to work with our wellness advocates who are wanting to do projects within their own um, areas domestically or even internationally. And then I also get to see really amazing work being done that I get to be a part of in anti-trafficking. We have this incredible hope model. Mm -hmm. And it's all of it. It's prevention and rescue and the restorative care after and how, working with the best partners along the way. People like Rafa International mm -hmm. and um, Dahlia's Hope, which is created after a woman who was trafficked out of um, Mexico at the age of 14. Mm. And she actually made her way to doTERRA and it works at doTERRA. Oh, and wow. It, this, this is a um, restorative care aftercare facility in American Fork, and she is amazing. She was able to escape on her own, and she, um, at about 18 in New York City, after being trafficked by five individuals who she has prosecuted, and the sentencing is going on net right now. Wow. It's amazing. And she is a feisty, smart, amazing girl who ended up marrying somebody from here and she's still an employee at doTERRA. Oh my word, what a story. Yeah, she's it's resilient. incredible. Well, I want to back up just a little bit. When you were talking at the beginning of that comment about jumping off the cliff, 
I was thinking about in the short time that I've known you, what exudes from you is this boldness and courageousness. I can totally see you being like an entrepreneur tomorrow or, you know, running for the U.S. Senate or like something. <laughs> Whatever, wherever my heart leads. Really, yeah, <laughs> I can see you definitely. There's there's a there's an aura about you that is this um, this um, fearlessness, which I, I love. Where do yeah. you think? That, that came, came from. from, and was there anyone in your life that exude that as well that you followed? Well, I would have to say both of my parents mm -hmm. exude that. Um, I have an artist mother who is fiercely independent, mm. and um, she is just, you know, she goes into India and jumps on the back of something, and you don't know where she's going to land, and she always lands on top. You know, she's she's wow. just fine, and she figures things out, and, and she's an artist, and and she's incredible. And then I've got this incredible mountaineering father who, who w when I was born, um, was a climbing ranger in the Grand Tetons. And we lived in those little ranger cabins right on Jetty Lake. And I was just a baby. I had an older sister and an older brother. And, um, and you know, I'm told that I ran around in these little yellow jammies at the age of one around Lupin Meadows right there at the base of the Grand Teton. And, over the years, you know, that became such a place for us because after he ended up teaching school and in the summers we were there, but he, he got into politics when I was fairly young and was working for Wayne Owens at the time. It was during the judiciary processes of Watergate. And as he got involved and then ran for Salt Lake City mayor, he was still living this like mountaineering, you know, on the weekends and when he could get away and mayor you know, mm -hmm. in the daytime. And so I got to see it from both a, I, I got to see it on many different levels where, you know, he was raised in an environment with, um, that wasn't easy. His father died when he was 14 mm. and, um, and he had to figure out all of that very early. But I was given kind of the gifts of what they both had and the ancestry had and, and, Fierce people like, you know, direct descendant out of Orson Pratt, who's the first person mm -hmm. in the valley. And, you know, I do believe that we've got this real strong community within us that are, you know, ancestors and the people that were really part of our, even before we came here. And then how we build on that. I, I find it so interesting as I get to know people and I get to know their histories. We always connect. Always. And I know Salt Lake City is small. Right, right. But, but sometimes it's beyond that. Like yeah. sometimes it's just mind altering. Like a friend of mine who lives right through my block who, um, you know, I've known his wife since college. She was my sister's age and we're very close friends. And one day we're sitting around and he says something about Hall County, Georgia. And I said, why are you talking about Hall County, Georgia? And he goes, well, that's where my ancestors were. And I said, well, that's where my ancestors mm. were. It turns out that our ancestors had come from Ireland and Scotland at the same time. We're the two families, the Bennetts and the Wilsons, who were in this little tiny community in Gainesville, Georgia, along a lake. And um, there, were, there were no LDS pioneer um, roots. It was just like, wait a minute. And if you looked at even how people got to Utah from there, it wasn't the standard pioneer route. It wasn't anything. And I'm here with this person thinking, yeah. how does that happen? And, and my dad's had the same experiences. He was in, after he had gone back, he was teaching um, climbing in Chamonix, or actually in Switzerland. And, and he had come down into Chamonix at the 
like 30 year anniversary or something uh -huh. coming back. And he's sitting in a little tiny um, place there and they couldn't read the menu and he was there with his wife and, and, and he couldn't remember French and so they're sitting there and this one other couple in the, in the room said, could we help you with the menu? And they spoke English. And, um, but it was very Irish English. And he said, sure. And so they helped him. And then they said, where are you from? And he said, Salt Lake City. He said, oh, I had a Mormon pioneer grandmother. Turns out he's my dad's like third cousin. Oh my gosh. I mean, how does that happen when in a little tiny place, how do you find the people, right? How do you find those connections so many generations later? And I find that happens all the time. And I'm just like blown away by how connected we all are yeah. at so many, many levels. levels, at so many levels. I think that to your point, especially when you were talking about from Georgia, there's this, um, and I think it was Natalie Gochner I heard speaking about some interesting research about the DNA tracks of this high level of entrepreneurialism in Utah, the risk taking yeah. nature of people that came here and then generation after generation, and then yeah, marrying. we're pretty fierce people. We're pretty fierce. We're hardy Utahns, <laughs> and we're, we're trailblazers. Well, tell me, um, if you were to provide some guidance to, let's say, a 17-year-old young gal who wants to be bold, who wants to be courageous, she's just on the cusp of this, mm -hmm. how do you get to take that leap into that 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 you know, well, it's first an assessment, right? I mean, you kind of have to really understand at a at a heart level, at a spiritual level, whatever your spirituality is, uh -huh. you need to really understand, is this the right move for me? And, and do the work to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes these leaps of faith sometimes don't lead mm -hmm. to where you want to. I, I've, I've seen that. It was really funny because... Um, my husband and I were talking about a book last night, and it's a book that everybody's loved all of these years. And he said, what do you love about this book? I said, I don't really like that book. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, what do you mean you don't like that book? We've had it. And I said, I think it's somebody gave it to us. <laughs> and it was The Giving Tree. Oh. And I said, and he said, well, what is it that you don't love about it? It's a little sad and depressing, Silverstein. This, yeah, I said, because this boy takes everything from the tree. He didn't have to take everything. <laughs> you know, it could have been a relationship, but instead it was a take, take, take. And I think sometimes in our youth, mm. we get wrapped on one side of that. We mm. either want to be the giver or we want to be the taker. Mm. And I saw that in my own youth. I love to be the giver, right? I love to be the one who was helping those in need, who, who I always found people who, you know, were the ones that just, you know, were interesting, I guess, more than anything, you know, but sometimes they weren't the right people to help me for my, my future goals. And I think it's 17, 16, 15 even, we need to make sure that we're sound enough in our own being to know who we are aligning with. And mm -hmm. make sure, because I see now a lot of situations where people are taken advantage of. People are followed. People are, you know, there are very sad situations because of trust. And so I think first, as a 17-year-old, just be sure that you can mm -hmm. trust who you're with. Mm -hmm. And when that trust, and you know it, you know that you can trust. And they've proven to be trustworthy. And they've proven it. And they've proven their yep. trustworthiness. 
then really learn from them and, and gain more knowledge because you're not really ready to jump off that cliff yet other than I look back at my teenage years and I did some really stupid things and <laughs> I just think back and I think if my parents I knew, had oh my parents know now and they, oh, now they're the big joke of the family right I mean you know dry, yeah. riding a bus to Vegas and <laughs> you know things that I think Okay, in today's world, it was a different time. Though. I would have been trafficked. Yeah, it's a totally different <laughs> you know, world back then. It's a totally different world, and I think though, it, when we are in those age and we feel like you know we are so fierce and 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 we're not scared of things, I we've got to be really understanding that to really understand who to trust, mm -hmm. and and I and so I would say first know who you're trusting. Second of all, if it feels like and, and you know that it is the right direction and you've had confirmation spiritually you've had confirmation then trust that mm -hmm. and yet and you can close your eyes and jump if you know that that is the right thing for you but you have to know it mm. and and I so I I would say and don't let anybody else be no other human being be the person who tells you what to do and I mean that in a way that there are definite guides I, I myself, you know, believe mm -hmm. in a prophet. You know, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, so all of these things, I, I do believe in guides. But the most important relationship I have is when I really assess and I feel to my core, to my spiritual core, that something is right. And then I know that I, I can do anything. Because if I have that understanding that it is the right thing to do, then I don't look back. And if I don't know that, then I'm going to look back and go, did I make the right decision? And I see this in marriage. I see this in so many things. I knew that I was supposed to marry the person I married. Mm. I could have married somebody before that person. I, it wasn't the right person to marry. And, and although I was in love with that person, it wasn't the right person to marry. When I met my husband, I was so in love with him. And I knew that it was in alignment. And I knew he was my person. That's when I got married. And so it's like you really have to understand it both logically, in your heart, and it, you have to know that it's the right thing to do. And if you do that, then you don't have to look back 20 years later and say, did I make the right decision? Because you knew at the time you did. And then you just work to make it better, even when it's hard. I liked how you have brought in so many elements that are kind of checkpoints. Yeah. You know, and I really appreciated your comment about your independent thought and your knowing it's right. Because there are... Even people that you love and trust, it might be my, you know, a sibling, it could be my husband, they have their perspective and their opinion and they're sharing it. And I want to take that into consideration. But in the end, it's where am I landing for sure in my heart and what is happening spiritually with me and my mind and not being just influenced because, oh, that's my brother and I, res I respect and I him respect, so much, so yeah. I'm going to do what he's saying I should do. Right. Yeah. That independence that thought. Independence that independence is really thought critical. For young women. Mm -hmm. And it's made me, it's made me now, you know, now that I'm 52 and well past the age of 17, it's made me look back at, at those decisions that I made at 18, mm -hmm. at 19, at 20, and say, if I made the decision right then, then that was the right decision, and I am a, I can own it 100%. And and I think that's been really critical in my life is being able to own my decisions mm -hmm. and not have them be anybody else's. And then if you're wrong, you're like, I still own it. It's still mine. It's still mine. It's still mine. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Well, I in our wrapping up kind of for today, I just wanted to see 
when you're thinking about what your kids, when they look at you, there are so many attributes that I see come through. And now, of course, that I'm piecing your whole family together, which I hadn't done before, what do you think your kids, what words would they use to describe their mom? Their mom. Well, probably a bunch of different words. Maybe we'll go with, <laughs> let's go with three words. What three words would they use? You know, I think they would say that I would fiercely support them in any situation. Um, I am their advocate, regardless. You know, mm-hmm. up, down, off the cliff, whatever, I will be their advocate, and I love them mm-hmm. more than anything. And that's where I, uh, as a mother, it is the most important thing I've ever done. And I have worked as a mother. And I think it gets divided in, in people who, you know, different circumstances in life. And I'm so grateful for the mothers who haven't worked and have been in neighborhoods when my kids are home alone, right? right? Oh, yeah. I, I just want to those. I know. Calling, did Harrison get in the house okay? Exactly. <laughs> I'm so grateful that as I've worked, that I have had, and there was a good time of life, 10 years actually, that I worked out of my house when my kids were at ages and I was home when they were able to walk through the door. So I've had a really, really incredible process. I've, you know, of, of when I've been home and that, but I think more than anything, they would say that I'm fiercely their advocate. I love that so much. <laughs> I love that. And I, I just, have really enjoyed getting to know you the last few months. I mean, it's only been, I think, maybe four or five months. Yeah. But you're very, to me, this how you come across is a very interesting, um, complex person in a good way. Like, you have really interesting ex- life experiences and backgrounds. I love how you're using your superpowers for good. Well, thank you. Back at you. It's, it's <laughs> inspiring to me and how you're able to use... Um, a corporation, a company that you feel is so mission and purpose driven that you can align with your North Star of, of your ethics and morals and where you want to be and that you're figuring out a way to get back to this world. So well, thank you thank so much, you. Missy. Thank I really, you. really appreciate and I it. I so much appreciate this and I love what you're doing. Oh, thanks. Well, that is it for today's We Hear Her podcast. And we would love to have you tune in on our YouTube channel. And thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for taking time to hear her. Join our efforts and learn more at womenwhosucceed.org. A big thank you to our sponsor, the Clark and Christine Ivory Foundation.